Welcome to your weekly dose of comedy with your host, Dana Pereira. Where's our participation trophy? Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Dana Pereira and joining me today, I'm so excited, is Gabrielle Stone. You might know her as a best-selling author maybe, or, or maybe you know her as an actress or maybe a director or, may, I mean, there is a laundry list of things that you do, girlfriend. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, I have been expanding my resume over the years. That is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like, so do you have like a nickname? Do people call you like Gabby or Gab or like Gab Dabba or? <laughs> um, I actually hate being called Gabby, although people shorten my name just because they choose to all the time. Yeah. Um, but people that are super close to me call me Gabs, like G-A-B-S. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have, um, I, my family calls me Dane. My name is Dana and they call me Dane. And okay. it just makes me feel so masculine and like <laughs> not cute at all you know I'm like, you're like thanks family but that's not the given name that you gave me <laughs> yeah yeah you chose Dana I mean you can go the extra syllable will you <laughs> right right <laughs> don't be lazy <laughs> yeah so I know that today is your dad's birthday and uh is there a, I know you lost him at a young age. Is there a, a favorite memory or a favorite story that you like to tell? Because I really like to keep memories alive by storytelling. So do you have anything that you yeah. want people to know? Yeah, absolutely. His birthday is actually October 4th. The anniversary of his passing is today, October oh, okay. 20th. So I mm-hmm. call it his heavenly uh, birthday. Got so it. October is always like a very kind of subconsciously heavy month because of that. But I think one of my favorite stories is when I was little, I had this um, like play kitchenette and it had, you know, fake food in it and, you know, the whole setup. And there was a rubber donut that was in that kitchen set and he would take it and so gross, but (laughs) he would take it and put it behind his back and like, you know, make like a frustrated noise. And then he would drop chocolate chips into his hand. Like he was like pooping out chocolate chips from the donut. It sounds like, like regretting saying this as it's coming out. Um, but the reason why the story is special to me is because when I was 16, I went with my mom to, she was a guest on John Edwards, uh, talk show, who's a really well-known medium. Mm-hmm. And I was backstage and he was like, you brought someone with you. She needs to come out here. And they brought me out and he described this entire scene to me. And that's obviously, I mean, nobody knows that it's not on Google. That's not something that you can randomly find as a fact about my family. Um, so that, that memory is kind of always stuck out to me because of that. That's so fucking cool. (laughs) That is the cool. I've always wanted to do it because so kind of the same situation. My father's birthday is November 2nd and Mm -hmm. he passed away November 30th. Oh, wow. So I, I get the whole month of November is just like a fucking shit show for me. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter how hard I try and like get past it, it's, it's just heavy. It just is. It just weighs on you. 
but uh, I've never gotten to have a medium experience. I hope at some point in my life that I do, but that's oh, really you cool. Should. That- it's when you, when you find the right medium that really knows what they're doing, it's a really, really powerful experience. And I hold people in a very high regard that claim they can do that. Cause I've worked with some incredible people that have some really amazing gifts. That's awesome. And both of your parents were actors and did they meet on set together? Um, I think my, my mom met my dad when she was doing a guest spot. I can't remember what show it was, but she was doing a guest star and I don't know if it was on the same show or if they were on the same lot together, but he saw her and started asking about her. And by the time she got home from set, there were roses waiting at her door. And then he called her, he had gotten her number from her agency, which is like super not okay. Um, (laughs) privacy wise, but my dad, dad was very like suave like that and could get blood out of a turnip as my mom always (laughs) says. And, um, and convinced her to go out with him. I think when he called, she actually just told us the story in Hawaii. He called her and was like, well, can I take you out on Saturday or on Friday? And she said, oh, I'm busy on Friday. I can go on Saturday. And he said, oh, I have a longstanding poker tournament with with, uh, my friends. Can we do it maybe on Sunday or the next week? And she's like, "Mm, no, you know, I'm only really available on Friday. And there was this long pause and he's like, okay, I'll pick you up at eight. (laughs) And the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah. The rest is her taming the wild playboy of Hollywood. (laughs) Uh, So um, your book, Eat, Pray, FML. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, I know that there's a lot of background with that one and what made you decide to write it. Can you tell people uh, kind of the, the beginning parts of that? Yeah. So I was married for almost two years, found out my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months, filed for divorce, left. And shortly after that, I met a guy, we fell madly in love with each other and had this whirlwind romance of like, meet my family, have my babies, all the fairy tale bullshit. And he convinced me to join him on a month long trip to Italy. 48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was absolutely devastated, broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And as I was sitting on my bed at my mother's house, because that's where you go when you're 28 and newly divorced, Mm -hmm. um, in a puddle of tears with a bottle of wine, I was like, well, I have a decision to make. And that's either stay at home heartbroken or go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I took a backpack and did six countries over the span of a month and wrote Eat, Pray, FML about it. Holy shit. Where did you go to? Where was like stop number one? So our tickets were originally booked from LA to London and then changing planes and then going from London to Rome. So we flew next to each other. I was going to say, oh shit. Sure did. You had to be (laughs) next to him. Next to him for that nice 11 hour flight. Um, And then he went on to Rome and I started my trip in London. So London was the first stop for me. Oh, fuck. How? (laughs) How does, I mean, I would just like pop a Xanax and crash for the entire flight like that. (laughs) You know, I slept maybe two hours the whole flight. It was like, yeah, there was a lot of different emotions. I had never traveled by myself before apart to like 
you know, other than going to a film set and then being with all the people you're going to work with. Um, so this was totally new territory for me. The only thing I knew about hostels on that plane was that there was a horror movie about them and people get brutally fucking murdered in it. So this is like when they're alone. (laughs) Yeah. So this was all new. I was like, I've seen taken, like, what am I getting myself into? And, um, yeah. So I landed in London. Luckily, uh, a friend of mine from high school lived there. So she offered me her place and uh, I started my adventure. Wow. That is crazy. How long did it take you to write that book? I started it the first day I was in London by hand in a leather bound journal that I brought. And I wrote three fourths of it on the Europe trip and then finished it when I came home. So the whole thing was done in about three months. Wow. And if you don't mind sharing, because I know that your book has definitely helped so many people out there going through the same thing. What are some lessons that you took away? So, I mean, so many, they're countless from that journey, but I think the biggest one for me because of my dad's death. And then I also lost my high school sweetheart when I was 18, I had a big fear of abandonment. And that fear of abandonment, you know, manifested into never wanting to be alone and not feeling okay by myself. So this whole experience was the universe's clear way of making me go face all that shit head on. Yeah. And I realized at the end of that journey that I'm never really abandoned because I will never abandon myself. And that was life changing for me. And learning how to love myself because everyone had always said, you know, that's the most important thing. You have to love yourself before you can love anyone else. And I was like, cool, great. I'm ready to do that. Can anybody tell me the fuck how? Um, (laughs) And nobody could. So that was a big lesson for me that I needed to go learn. Um, And really just how capable I was on my own and that I actually really loved being alone. Yeah, I get that. I I went through this whole period of life where I could not be alone. If I was alone, I thought that I wasn't worthy. I thought I was unlovable. I thought all those lies that your brain tells yourself that just aren't true. And it, being able to come out the other side, like you said, you're like, how do I love myself? Nobody fucking tells you how. There's no fucking right. instruction manual on how to do this unfortunately, you have to live a lot of life and get a lot of those experiences and come out the other side. Because if you don't go through some of those traumatic events that all of us go through, um, you don't really have a reason to dig deeper. It's all surface level. Yeah. And I think those are the things that really shape us into the adults we become and the the humans that we are. And for me, any experience that I'm fearful of or things that, you know, bring up panic in my life are usually yeah. the things that I need to go straight through because when you can walk through the fear, anything on the other side of that is really powerful change. And that's where the really incredible growth happens when you can move through that. So do you still find yourself uh going through some of that fear. Do you feel like it's, it's like a never ending journey, right? No, I'm perfect now. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, girl, it's a daily struggle. Um, I've healed a lot of my abandonment stuff. Um, but that, that has been my story since I was a six-year-old little girl. So there will always be certain triggers that happen in my life. Um, but being aware that they're triggers and being aware of how you react to them and having people in your life that 
protect and take care of those triggers um, is a really important thing. So I've done a lot of healing and a lot of growth, but by no means does it just erase everything from your cellular memory. Yeah. So would you take another trip? Are you like, oh, I need to, do you want to do solo traveling now? Are you like, nah, I kind of like companionship now whenever I go. Yeah. So I just like about a month and a half ago released the sequel to Eat, Pray, FML, which is called The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. And I do take a trip in that book, um, which was at the end of 2019 uh, to Southeast Asia. And this one was by choice. (laughs) Wow. So, I mean, you slipped that trip in right under the wire, right? (laughs) Just in time. And I'm so thankful that I did because it was just as life-changing in different ways than my FML trip was. It's really crazy to me. I'm 39 years old now. And whenever I was 19 years old, I would just do whatever the fuck I wanted. I went to bars by myself. I drove across the country by myself a couple of times. I did all of these things that made my mother want to pull her fucking hair out. (laughs) And now I'm 39 and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could do it. Like just the other day, I was going out with some girlfriends. We went to a drag show. It was awesome. I love it. (laughs) And... I told my husband because I was having like a rough ass day and I was like, listen, I'm drinking my face off tonight. Like, I know that you're not supposed to use alcohol as a coping mechanism, but tonight I'm gonna. I love it. (laughs) And so I was like, here's the deal. Um, I want to drink so I can't drive. Also, I'm afraid to get into an Uber by myself at night after drinking. So Uh, yeah. (laughs) And he was like, just call me. I'll come and get you. He, oh, that a boy. <laughs> he kept the little ones up. I felt a little guilty, but they slept in the next day. He kept them up. They fell asleep on the couch. He woke them up, threw them in the car. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Picked my drunk ass up. Mama needs a night out, man. <laughs> Every now and again, I do. And so um, it just so happens that I met this girl at a bar and, you know, after a few glasses of wine, I was like, I love you. We are best friends. As you do. (laughs) Walked her out to my car and I was like, hi, honey. She lives nearby. We're just going to give her a ride. Oh my God. I love (laughs) it. That's great. I think when we're younger, you know, the society and life hasn't taught us that shit goes south yet. So we're just like open to anything. I think that's why kids have such a like open and like imaginative way about them because they're like, I can do anything. I'm fucking fearless. And then the universe is like, bop, no, you're not, bitch. Um, (laughs) You scared now? (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that we need to tap back into that. So many women that read my book are like, oh my God, I would love to do a trip like that. And I'm like, go. It doesn't matter how old you are. Go and go alone. Solo travel will change your life and it will make you a completely different person in all the best ways and really allow you to get in touch with yourself in a different way. Mm -hmm. I think everyone should do it once in their life. So I am, I'm lucky that I experienced it when I did. I wish I would have started doing it earlier. You know, I actually took a trip or I was supposed to take a solo trip. I decided in 2014, fuck it, I'm going. I took my tax return money because I was a single mom at the time. I didn't have the opportunity to travel basically at all through my 20s because I had kids when I was 23 and 24. And uh, in 2014, I was like, all right, this is the year that I am taking my tax return money and I'm going on a trip. And I posted about it on Facebook. Like, I'm going on a solo trip. I'm going to go to London. I'm going to go to Paris, you know? And I was so excited about it. 
And uh, of course, my mother tried to talk me out of it. Like, are you sure you want to go by yourself? That's not yeah. a great idea. <laughs> um, but a friend who I had not seen in ages was like, hey, I want to go on a trip too. You mind if I join you? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so my solo trip ended up being a, a, a companion trip, but it was still really fun. Yeah. I still need to do that, though. I still need to take the solo trip. It's it's totally life changing. And it, it it just really, to me, reaffirmed that I how capable I am being outside of my comfort zone. I love the people that you meet when you solo travel because nobody has the time to have that layer of bullshit over them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to know people in a much more, a quicker and more authentic way. And it's just like a really magical soul cleansing experience to go and be by yourself and adventure around the world. I agree. I think that whenever you go out and one, when you already have this uh, idea in your head that you're on an adventure, you just open up in ways that aren't aren't your typical behavior because in your head you're already like I'm on a fucking adventure like let's do this we're going to have yeah. fun I'm going to see the things I'm going to do the stuff I don't know if I'll be able to come back to this place again and feel the things and eat the stuff and you know it, all of that and so I think that definite travel um helps people kind of be a little bit more vulnerable and open to experiences yeah 100% and you know the more I've traveled, the more I feel weirdly stuck when I'm in LA. I'm like, you know, you can only do the same thing and the hustle over and over and over until you're like, God, there's so much world out there that I need to go see and experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so your book leads into your podcast. Yeah. So in the beginning of the pandemic, well, I guess I should back up. When I released Eat, Pray, FML, everybody was like, you should start a podcast. And I kept saying, everybody has a podcast. Like, what am I even going to talk about? Yeah. There's um, 2 million plus of us out there. It's now. insane. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then the pandemic happened and my my girlfriend was like, look, just do it. I'll produce it. And I was like, okay. You know, maybe a thousand or two of my readers will come over and listen. And mm-hmm it just absolutely took off and people were discovering the podcast that hadn't even read the book. Mm -hmm. Um, We're now about to wrap season two, which is wild. It's officially like a year old now, which is crazy to me. Um, It's called FML talk. It releases every Wednesday and we started it with kind of like whatever's under the umbrella of things that we talk about in the book. So Mm -hmm. love, heartbreak, divorce, cheating, um, dating relationships. And then it kind of branched out to really anything I've dealt with in my life, any kind of like trauma, forgiveness, Mm -hmm. abandonment, grief. Uh, and then we started bringing really incredible guests on to talk about things that I think are important that need to have a spotlight on them, like domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, and different types of substance issues. So it's been a really powerful place for people to feel safe and heal still in a light, fun way, because it's me and I'm dropping F-bombs and, you know, (laughs) it's, we, we have happy hour on Wednesdays and it's, it's just crazy, but, um, it's allowed people to show up and create this community that's been really beautiful to watch. And that's, 
really important too, I think, whenever you're bringing up these topics to do it in a way that has like a few laughs here and there where people aren't like just feeling like the weight of depression pulling yeah. down when they're going through this. Because for a lot of us, humor is a crutch. Yeah. I mean, at least for me, it's a fucking crutch. You know, yeah. I, I, it's, <laughs> I say it all the time. I'm like, fuck, like if I'm making jokes at you, it's probably because I feel uncomfortable. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. But I was listening to the intro of your show and fuck it cracked me up like the she's 19 and what a dick and like all <laughs> the, the shit that went into the intro of the show was so fucking funny oh, oh thank I, you I wanted to ask you one more thing about your book and that was did you have to get permission from the people that you wrote about in your book to use it so the only permissions I had to get were from people that I included text messages from. So in okay. Eat, Pray, FML, um, I have text messages from Javier, who's the guy that dumped me before Europe, and his mother, his sister, some of the men I met on the trip. Anyone that has text messages included in the book, I had to get permission from. Interesting. Yeah, I wasn't – I was just curious about that. No, I get that question all the time. <laughs> Well, I had reached out to some of my listeners after I saw your lipstick video. Yeah. Do you tell people what your lipstick video was all about? Yes. Without giving too much away, um, because it is a prominent part of the sequel, oh. um, more or less, I was in a rather toxic dynamic um, with, with a man. And at one point he and I were having a conversation and he looked at me through the FaceTime call I was on and said, I don't like when you wear bold colored lipstick. And I was like, what? I've worn bold colored lipstick since I've met you. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, just like, you know, the angles of your face, it just doesn't work. You look so much better without it. So it was like this, like really fucked up thing to say, wrapped in like this, but you're so pretty without makeup, which is uh -huh. fucking horseshit. And I looked at him and I was like, well, lucky, luckily I'm not wearing it for you. And then I started to kind of marinate on that and realize how shitty that was and how not okay that was. And it ended up being added to the list of things that finally made me take my love goggles off and see what was happening in front of my fucking face. Yeah. And so when the second book came out, um, after the, you know, like two weeks, I posted a photo and I had bold lipstick on and my DMS got flooded with like the angles in your face are perfect. And like rock that bold <laughs> and lip like, and fuck. And everyone was like, fuck him, fuck him. Yeah. Um, and then I started getting tagged in pictures of other people putting their bold lipstick on. And it became like this epic movement. Um, so I ended up doing a TikTok video explaining all of this while I was like doing my makeup and putting putting bold lipstick on. And um, it was just really incredible to see how it all took off. So now there's the hashtag, the bold lip movement. Um, and it's just all these epic women putting putting their lipstick on and rocking it. That's fucking awesome. I love it so much because we do. A lot of us have, most of us have had toxic relationships in the past, even if they don't feel all the time, like they're being toxic, just somebody saying to you like, Oh, that lipstick doesn't look good on you. Like that's fucking terrible. That is toxic behavior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you should never be in a relationship where someone is telling you 
how something looks on you or what you should be doing because the the reality check for them is like we were never doing it for you in the fucking first place. Yeah. Um, like this is how I feel beautiful and how I feel powerful and confident. And that has nothing to do with you. Not a fucking thing. Yeah. So I did get some uh, listener replies. And uh, this first one here says, my girlfriend would get mad if I didn't go to sleep at the same time as her. It was ridiculous. I wasn't tired at 8 p.m. Yeah, that's a tough one because I get, you know, if you want the partner that you're with to like come in and snuggle with you and like that's tough if your sleep schedules are all I I would say to try and compromise and, you know, have her go to bed a little later and like, or maybe go in and snuggle with her and then get up and go watch your TV shows in the other room. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't want want to be going to bed at 8 PM either that. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to go to bed. (laughs) You know, my husband, uh, there are times where he's waking up at 4 AM or whatever. And he's, you know, 8 30, he's like, see you. I'm going to bed. And I'm like, all right, good night. And I will, I use that as like, my kind of decompress. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which is so important. It is because I get to like rewatch old shows that I used to love or, you know, like One Tree Hill or listen to the podcast or whatever it is Shit that he is like not interested in at all. And I'm over here like I really love my girly shows and I want to watch them. So I, you know, he's in bed at 830 and I get my time to do it all by my own self. Yeah. And I think, I think separate time is just as important as together time is. Yeah, for sure. It's funny because my ex, um, he actually just recently told me we're still really close. He's the father of my older two children. And, uh, he had said to me like, gosh, his wife, she always wants me to go to bed at like nine o'clock. I'm not tired at nine (laughs) o'clock. So I think that she was like out of town and he was like, I could stay up past nine (laughs) o'clock. Oh my God. That's too funny. Yeah. I, I'm all for, you know, having your own schedules as long as you're still having that good together time too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this one says when I married my wife, she was possibly too thin And as she's gotten older, she now has these incredible curves. I've decided that the only acceptable response to does my bum look too big in this is to slap it and say, hell yeah. Oh my God. Um, I think as long as your wife is understanding where that's coming from and appreciative of that, then I'm all for that. You know, Um, I, I think too many times men don't realize how much criticism is put on women's bodies Mm -hmm. and has been from the time that we were little. Um, you know, Jonah Hill just came out and, and publicly was like, look, please don't comment on my body good or bad. It like really affects me. And I was so happy that he did that. But I also, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, welcome to what we've been dealing with for all of time. (laughs) Yeah. Forever. Yeah. It's my husband. I don't know why I get this. I do know why it's because I'm insecure. That's why whenever I'm in the shower, he will just like gawk at me like, (gasps) like, oh, my God. And I'm always like, oh, my just get the fuck away from me. Like, like he's taking it as like I should be really like, oh, my husband still wants me. And I do. But at the same time, because I feel insecure, I almost feel like he's 
overcompensating at times by like gawking at me and telling me how hot I am. And I'm like, I've had four kids. My ass is fat. My stomach's not flat, you know, like all of these things. And, but if he stopped doing it, I would be devastated. Right. Right. I think that's where communication comes in because if he were to sit down and say like, these are all the things that I'm, I'm thinking when I'm, you know, doing that, or these are all the things that I love about your body, then it becomes a little different, but I totally get the, the insecurity that we as women always just put on ourselves. You know, it's like, if, if we feel shitty about our bodies, like we're less inclined to like roll around and have hot steamy sex. Like it's just a fact. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I'm feeling really down on myself, I'm definitely less likely to be like sexy time. Let's go. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, I also cannot remember a single time that I have seen a woman on Instagram, seen a woman at the beach, seen a woman anywhere that I would, was like, ill. you know, like I can't. Oh no. Yeah. And, and so I, it's all in our own heads. We do it to (laughs) ourselves. Yes. Yeah. I, in my own head, whenever I go to the beach, I'm like, ugh, everybody's like, ew, put some clothes on or, you know, I I guarantee you, no one is saying that like not one single person, not a single, (laughs) but it doesn't matter because if we feel it, then that's really all that matters. It's me saying it to me and me is fucking rude, man. Yeah. You have to be nicer to you. I really (laughs) do. I am fucked up. I need to be nicer to my damn self. (laughs) Uh, um, This one says, my ex-wife, years after our divorce and while she was pregnant, told me I wasn't allowed to have any more children. Luckily for her, I wasn't interested in having any more children, but the fucking balls to say that with a straight face while pregnant was hilarious. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. I'm going to go. I'm going to go do this, but you're not allowed to have any more of what I'm doing. That's like double standard to the fucking max. That's what like, you know, there's no like man, woman, whatever, like any fucking gender, you know, everybody has to start being nicer to people. Everybody has to stop with the double standards. Like there's shit that men have done for years. There's shit that women have done for years. And Mm -hmm. like, it all just needs to fucking stop and people just need to be better humans. (laughs) Bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. I always love the, the wife handing her husband a card that says like, get better soon. And she's like, "Mm." he's like, I'm not sick. And she's like, yeah, I know. I just want you to get fucking better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's hilarious. (sighs) It's funny though. Like the kind of, um, what's the word for it? When, whenever you feel like you own something like possessive. Yeah. The possessiveness that you have over certain things in your life. Like my ex again, um, he, didn't have a relationship after me for a really long time. I'm sure he was fucking around, but he didn't have like an actual solid relationship for many years after we had broken up and I had like met my husband and gotten married and stuff and we're still pretty close. And so I was so used to like Christmases. He came to my house. We all had Christmas together, you know, like uh, ball games and he would babysit my kids and he would, my other two children, not the ones that he had, (laughs) (laughs) but all of this stuff. And then he got married and I was like, Oh shit, I'm not the boss of you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. It's a total change in the, in the dynamic. And I think that one of the interesting things of life is as a human is navigating those changes. Like when dynamics like that change and navigating them in an appropriate, although what is appropriate anymore, um, (laughs) appropriate ways to really like make sure everybody involved is, is happy. Yeah. I got really, really lucky. His wife is fucking phenomenal. Oh, that's great. She's amazing with my kids. My kids adore her. All of my kids, all four of them love her. That's great. Yeah. They come. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going up to Santa Barbara and they're going to come over and hang with my kids for four days. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's awesome. It's I'm so fucking lucky. I don't know how it happened. You know, I just I do know how it happened. I went to a lot of therapy and learned that the universe does not revolve around fucking me. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) One more time for the people in the back. Yeah. (laughs) So your um, second book, the, the sequel, can you give us a little hint of what that is about? Yeah. So Eat, Pray, FML ends when I come home from the Europe trip and the ridiculous misadventures of a single girl picks up the night I get back. So it's a direct sequel. You pick up right where you've left off. Um, but it's a lot longer of a time span. Eat, pray, FML is three and a half months of my life. If you can believe that from the cheating to coming home from Europe and everything in between and the ridiculous misadventures is over two years of my life. So it's definitely a longer time span. Um, And it's really, there's characters from the first one that reappear and pop back in. There's new characters. Um, And I had a lot of fear around releasing the second book because there's things in it that I'm not necessarily proud of. And there was things that was really hard for me to write. Mm -hmm. um, And I wasn't sure if I should include. And I released the book a month and a half ago now, uh, maybe a little more. And everyone that has, you know, reached out to me about it and all of my readers that have read it already, all of the things that I was worried about being judged for are the things that people connected with most in the book. I was just about to say that to you. I have not read the book yet. And I just met you 30 minutes ago and I'm fucking proud of you for doing that. Thank you. That vulnerable and open with people and allowing yourself to do that allows these other people to feel less alone in the experiences that they are going through, have gone through, that match yours. 100%. And I get those messages so often, like, God, I finally feel like I'm seen and I'm not alone. And I, I think- we as humans often feel like if you're heartbroken and can't get over it, or if you're going through grief or whatever the case may be, you feel so isolated and alone. Like why, why am I not able to get over this quicker? Um, And that is such a normal feeling and you are so not alone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are your kind of aspirations for the future? I mean, I know that you wear a lot of hats. Is there, what is your like end all big dream that you have in mind? Are you like, I want to win a fucking Oscar? Are you like, I, uh, what is it for you that is like up there? One of these big goals that you just have your eye set on. Um, I would love to see 
eat pray fml on a bigger screen uh in the future we're in the very 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 early stages um of pitching it as a show so we'll see where that goes but that would be a really awesome thing to kind of bring those two passions of mine together and see that on on a bigger scale mm-hmm. um and then personally i would really love to eventually have a kind of self love uh empowerment retreat um that i can host with uh, women and do it in Pai, Thailand, which is a a place that I discovered on my second solo trip that became really special to me. That's awesome. I definitely need to go and get those books. And if I were to go and get those books, where do I go to? They are exclusively on Amazon, uh, in paperback, ebook, hardcover, and audiobook. And I narrate both the audiobooks. Ah. And um, there's also signed copies on my website uh, where you can also get all the podcast merch and stuff, which is eatprayfml.com. Uh, and the podcast is FML Talk, and it airs every Wednesday anywhere you get your podcasts. That is so cool. And if people want to look you up on Instagram, what is your handle? I am at Gabrielle Stone on Instagram and at Gabrielle underscore Stone on TikTok. Awesome. My God, thank you so much for coming on and sharing a bit of your story with us. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome, girl. Thank you for having me. Of course. And guys, even if you are not nailing it this week, you're still going to get that participation trophy. See ya.